You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 32 of the MXU podcast. Lee, I feel like we were just here doing this not too long ago. Deja vu. All over again. Yeah. We actually recorded an episode yesterday, and now we're back today. You know why? Because we got to give the people what they want. Give them what they want. <laughs> give them exactly what they want. They That's want right. a 15-pound brisket smoked on a Traeger for uh, nine hours, sliced to perfection. It's going to take a lot longer than nine hours to get a 15-pound brisket. <laughs> That's true. It took about 12 when you were at my house a few weeks ago. But it was delicious. I'm going to be doing that tomorrow, actually. Also, you were not here during social distancing. For- no, this is true. We were we were not restricted in our socializing opportunities right. at that time. It was two weeks before that. That's right. So anyway, today's episode, speaking of barbecue, is with um, a guy and his team who he and I text a lot about barbecuing because he's a barbecuer. It's Zach Kimry, yeah. Nicole, and Chad from the online team from Elevation Church. Yeah. So we've gotten a lot of questions over the last few weeks about how to do online well. And I think we've put out a lot of really good information to people. But this is like coming from one of the churches that a lot of people look to as the gold standard of what a broadcast experience, not just from the quality of the mix and the content looks like, but engagement as well. So we're going to talk to them about that. I'm really excited to hear from them. Yeah, they've got 1.5 million subscribers on YouTube. So don't give me any of that. Well, it doesn't work for everybody, blah, blah, blah. No, it's clearly working. I think I was talking to someone yesterday about this, CJ Alvarado, actually. And right now, because of the COVID crisis, every church around the world is now being forced to catch up to the things that Elevation has been doing, right? Yeah. So we're just playing catch up. So I'm actually excited to keep watching them because I think now is their opportunity to jump ahead again while we're all just catching back up. So I'm curious to see what they do. Well, because they were thinking way ahead three or four years ago when they made strategic decisions to do this well online. And so the reason that it looks and sounds and feels the way it does for them now is because they've had all this time to work on it and and tweak it and perfect it. So it's only going to get better for them coming out of some of the learnings they've had from having to isolate and social distancing and restrictions and all that stuff. Lucky for them, you know, they're able to pivot pretty well because they do it so well already. Totally. So before we get to that, just to get everyone else caught up, um, in case you haven't heard, our MXU live event in Chicago has been rescheduled for August 25th and 26th. Two days. Wait, two days? Because MXU Live is now a two-day event. Insert Daniel Cannell's beautiful face. Because lighting for day two. Lighting day two, baby. Audio day one, lighting day two. Get your tickets on the website. And don't forget to check out MXU Now. We're now over 200 videos online monthly. It's cheap. It's awesome. Yep. Go get it. You're sitting on your butts right now wishing you had a Traeger or wishing you were better at audio. So go or buy both. It, or both. So go buy a Traeger. Maybe. It's probably not a good economic choice no. right now, actually. Take, take your Traeger money <laughs> and use it to buy 
a subscription to MXU now because it'll last longer. You'll get smarter from it and you'll gain less weight. I should watch more MXU now and smoke less meat. (laughs) All right. Without further ado, let's get to our chat with the folks from Elevation. We are proud to have with us today some of the staff from Elevation Church in in and around the Charlotte area. Uh, we've got Zach, Chad, and Nicole, who are all here representing their team, and we're thrilled that you guys are with us today. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Good. Well, I know that a lot of our listeners have a ton of questions because everybody everybody that I know looks to Elevation as one of the like gold standard experiences for what church online looks like. So we're going to get to all that in a minute, but I'd love to start with just you guys kind of taking turns, telling us a little bit about your story, um, where you're from, how long you've been at the church, how you got started in ministry, and uh, maybe your exact role on the team. I'll start. Um my name's Chad Zolo. Um, I'm the online pastor, um, so I oversee what just our overall strategy and what we do really big picture with online. Um, I've been at the church now for about five years. Uh, before that, I was a worship leader up in Pittsburgh um, and just followed Elevation for a long time and um, came down and started out in production, actually, at Elevation. Um was serving as one of the production directors at one of our uh, campuses north of the city and got to work a little bit with these guys, um, Zach and Nicole, a little bit before we actually worked really what really what we do now together. Um, so started out in production, then moved my way into a um, associate campus pastor role. And then a few years ago when we started really um, diving into online ministry, um, the team invited me. Um, the leadership team said, Hey, would you come and, you know, be a part of launching kind of some new opportunities of what our online could look like. And so for the past, I guess, I guess it's been about three years now, a little over three years, we've been, you know, building teams, building new expressions of what online looks like, giving people opportunities to be a part of it, changing what it means to actually be a part of our church if you can't be at a physical location. And so that's really uh, my focus. And, and again, I work with these guys very, very closely all throughout the week to make sure our experience is what it needs to be. That's awesome. Zach, how about you? Um, so I guess if you wanted to give me an actual title, it would be probably be the broadcast engineer at our Ballantyne location. Um, so I oversee all the technology in the building, very heavily on the video side of things. Um, uh, if the audio guys need some help, then I'll step in. But about as far as I do with the audio is all the Maddie routing to and from them. Um, we do everything. If it's not analog, it's Maddie. Um, whether it's a video feed, um, there's a lot of IFB feeds through the building, um, any of that type of stuff. And then lighting pretty much hands off, except for leading up the set, uh, set changes for that. Um, so I guess broadcast engineer would be best title. Um, I've been on staff, I guess five years now. Um, pretty much started out as one of the uh, techs on the team and slowly rolled into this position. And when we launched Ballantyne three years ago, uh, it was kind of uh, dropped into my lap um, between myself and Brian Poole, who I'm sure a lot of people know. Um, 
but Brian was over all of the other AVL projects. So, and Ballantyne became quickly became a building that needed someone dedicated to it. And so I kind of, uh, stepped in and, and, uh, ever since then the rest is history with that building. And it's just kind of, um, me overseeing that. And then, um, before that I worked for 10 years for a production company in Charlotte. Um, and uh, kind of got connected to Elevation through that by us doing shows for them. Um, got hooked, started volunteering, started contracting, and then um, eventually found myself on staff and uh, would never look back. It's been a, an amazing ride to get to where we are today. And, you know, it's one of those things you really look forward to what's ahead. That's awesome. Last but not least, we have Nicole. Hey. Um, so my name is Nicole. I am the online production director. So anything you see on any of our streams, um, responsible for, you know, training up volunteers to execute all of that, calling transitions, that kind of thing. Um, also pretty involved with programming throughout the week, um, which right now looks a little different than it has in the past. <laughs> um, as far as how I got connected with the church, my brother, actually moved out. We're all from Texas, um, but he moved out and found the church uh, about, gosh, probably 14 years ago now. So found the church that way um, after I graduated and went to school for broadcasting. After I graduated, just kind of moved out here just to be involved. And that turned into a staff role. I've been in the same position um, on staff, kind of came on when Chad was talking about about three years ago when we decided to put a little more effort behind the online church at Elevation. So came on then as the online PD and been here ever since. Very cool. Okay. So maybe this is for Chad. Give us the high level, why you guys do what you do online, just the everything behind it other than, you know, a lot of churches will just put their services online just because they can, but you guys are so intentional about it. Uh, I'd love to hear, like, what's the mission statement behind Elevation Online? Yeah. I mean, if there's two things that we're trying to do, this is what we talk to the team a lot about. It's building connections and building community. And there's four different areas that if you were kind of an insider at Elevation, we don't necessarily talk about it out loud anymore, but there's really four areas of focus for our church as a whole, which is like giving, e-groups, um, using your gifts, which is volunteering and then growth. Like, how are you contributing to your own growth, but also the growth of the church? And so, um, a little while back, you know, our feeling was if we can translate all of that online, then we have a viable online church expression to where people don't actually have to be in a building. We still encourage people if they're within gosh, 50 miles of a location to go there. And most do, um, but we just had so many people from outside, myself included, before I even got to the church. I was somebody who watched on the other side and thought, man, I'd love to be more a part of this thing. There's just not really an opportunity to do that. So we were faced with, um, you know, some would even say a theological decision to say, like, are we cool with saying we're OK with this? And where we felt like we were OK with it is if we could provide those opportunities for community and connection to continue to happen outside of the four walls of a building. And so really, that's what it came to us to develop and figure out and understand. And it's even more than that, honestly, though, because it's one thing to say you can be a part of our, our church, which I, I think most people would say that nobody would say when they launch an online church we're doing this and, you know, you can't really be a part. Everybody says they can be a part, but the practical application of actually being a part of the church 
it's tough to figure out when people aren't in a building. And the biggest thing that's tough to figure out is the culture. How do you translate an elevation culture through a screen? And so that's where this team comes in and they're pros at it for sure. But the mission and vision of it is creating that connection, creating community with people and actually, again, literally actually having people who say, I want to be a part of Elevation Church as my church because there's not one near me. We don't push people to other churches right now. We don't do that. I mean, if somebody wants to be a part of Elevation, they can be as much a part of Elevation as the person who walks into the Valentine door every week. And um, so overall, that's really the vision is to expand the reach of what God's doing through Elevation Church. And there's just no better opportunity to do it than through the platforms that are available to us free of cost at that um, to reach literally billions of people. So it's just a great opportunity. And I think that we have a pastor and a worship ministry that has the ability to cross a lot of cultural boundaries. Um, and it works, you know, again, high level of excellence, high level, you know, high standard, but you know, we, we've really seen some success in it. That's amazing. So most of those conversations happened years ago. So for the people who are in the middle of COVID-19, you know, there's a lot of us looking at this going, gosh, even when we, quote, get back to normal, it's not going to be what normal used to be. In other words, there are a lot of people who are trying to figure out online who started it maybe just as sort of a scramble to go, gosh, we've got to start getting our stuff to be able to stream because we can't meet. But now people are looking at it going, gosh, this might actually be an opportunity to reframe the way we're thinking about our church. So they're looking at this conversation going, okay, that's me. I want to be able to do that. So for those people, can you talk a little bit just about those initial conversations? What were the questions you were asking? How did you decide like, okay, this is a, you know, a non-negotiable. We've got to do this, but you know what? We're going to compromise on this because we just can't do that without people in the room. Like what are those things and what are, what's the actual because I know everybody listening to this is going to go, man, that sounds awesome. Okay, how? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's really daunting and intimidating, but I'd love to get some insight just on what those conversations were like, because uh, I think it's going to be huge for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, like I think at the beginning, a lot of the conversations um, were around the idea that I think most people would have of like, will people actually do this? Does it actually matter? Can community happen? Can... Um, you know, when you're, you're talking to people who are, would be a little skeptical about, um, real community, if you want to call that, like, how do you actually say like somebody's apart if they're not in the room together? And honestly, there's a couple of things with it. One, I just think we're asking questions. The church, I think is asking questions that nobody else is asking right now. They're just actually living it. Like everybody else is having community and having connections with one another, not in the same states, not in the same countries, not in the same time zones, nothing. Nobody's questioning whether or not this thing can work for some reason. And I understand the church tends to be a little bit behind on this type of stuff. It's it's just a constant like, well, I'm not sure, you know, the Bible says this about, you know, you have to gather together in rooms. And um, I, I think for us, we just probably had these conversations a little bit differently as well, because a lot of churches that we get to talk to, 
um, they're trying to convince leadership of this. That's a hard thing for me to speak to because we've kind of had the opposite happen with us. Our pastor and our leadership were never needed to be convinced. They were the ones pushing. You know what that's I'm saying? So, so, so that's a that's a tough thing, honestly, for me to speak to honestly and say, like, I didn't have to convince anybody. The thing that we did have to convince is that it was worth investing into. We never had to convince anybody to actually do it. We're like, we want to do it. But then it was like, prove that it's actually working. And by that, you know, I can certainly get into some of those like metrics of what we consider working or not. The main few would be obviously attendance. And, you know, you're we're more than welcome to talk through some of those things and what that looks like and how we measure that. But then just very, very practically Giving is a very um, big metric for us to know whether or not this whole thing is working, right? I mean, if you just think about it very practically, people don't give to something they're not impacted by, right? You can apply that to anything you want. You can apply it to shoes. You know, I want those shoes because I feel like they're going to do something for me. Um, I'm giving to Elevation Church because I'm being impacted by what's happening there. And for us, um, by God's grace, you know, giving is just great for us. And it really reflects how people feel a part of a family and a community. So that's one of the biggest metrics for us that would say, wow, crap, like there are people who actually consider this their home. And we know that because they're giving to it consistently. It's not like a one time thing. And they're joining e-groups and they're volunteering with us and they're joining our e our Facebook groups. And um, so, again, it's creating a lot of those opportunities for people to actually be a part. But I do think um, I hope I'm not trying to ramble too much because I'm not the only person on this call. But I do think that there is two other things that people need to think about. There's a couple of different expressions of online church. And I think that's what needs to be determined before you move forward with anything. One would be like what we're doing. It's actual church for people. You don't want them, you, you know, you don't care if they're in the building or not. The second would be like, are you just trying to like widen your front doors? You know, like I do online church so that we can get more people into our building that's on Center Avenue. You know what I mean? Or third, it's strictly like to give you a preview so when people are just searching things out, it's like, I mean, why wouldn't you have people just or the, the service broadcast for people to just check it out before they decide to come? Because that's an easy thing to do. But all three of those options require a lot of different um, priorities and focus. You know what I mean? But that would be like the first conversation that would need to happen. What type of online church do we actually want to be or are we capable of being? Okay, that's great. And I'm such a data junkie, so I do want to get into metrics and how you measure things, uh, but we'll do that later. Okay. I'd love to know first, what's a week look like planning this service? Because you guys are broadcasting from a location that has a physical uh, church experience, and then you're strapping on to that the online experience. So you're using pieces of a service that's happening in a building with 1,500 people or whatever. And then you're cutting in and out of some other programmed elements. So how does your programming team work with the live programming team? And what's a week look like for all three of you? Um, I can answer that one. So I would say the answer is a little different now, but I'll start with how it was pre-COVID-19. Um, the So we have a worship experience team that plans anything you see in the room. 
special elements, videos, how long the welcome will be, which songs are played, how we're going to transition in and out of things. And then the online programming team, once all of that was determined, would kind of take that and say, okay, they're going to show this video after the welcome. The main focus of that video is serving in person, like this person, you know, serves in eKids. We don't even have eKids online right now, which now post or current situation we do, but all previously. So maybe we don't want to show that video. Do we have one that we could put in place of that or let's Skype with someone? So more of those types of pieces that we may or may not use. Um, worship and sermon, obviously, sticking with that the whole time. Um, and then as far as like any pre and post experience, the whole heart behind that was one of those questions that we asked kind of at the beginning of like, do we want to do this pre-experience? What's the point of it? What's the benefit? Um, and it kind of stemmed from like, okay, if you pull into any of our locations, you've got a parking team that's waving you in and getting you to your parking spot. And then somebody might say hey to you as you're walking in. You know, you've got eKids volunteers that you're interacting with. You're getting all of that culture that Chad's talking about. You've got the usher team that gets you to your seat. And then you've got like this great vibe while you're waiting on the experience to start. So our version of the pre-experience is like, how can we take all of that and put it into something that translates over the screen? So it's like, you know, getting people comfortable, breaking down, you know, any anxiety that they may have, or, you know, just things from the week that kind of going in instead of just going straight into worship, like how can we kind of ease them in the same way that you would be eased into a broadcast on um, a physical location. So that's kind of the thought process behind that. It's our team mainly that comes up with those kind of ideas, the videos, the segments, the games, that kind of thing. Um, every once in a while, we might bring in other people for more like, I don't maybe you call them like blue sky meetings or just big brainstorming discussions of like, hey, we've been doing this this way of like hosting video, hosting video, throw to the experience. How can we like totally break that up? Um, so we do like a choose your own adventure where we give the viewers like four options and post in the chat window, which one you want to watch. And then whichever one we see the most of, we air that video or play that game, that type of thing. But that idea came from one of those sessions where we're bringing in other staff members to just like people who aren't in it every week, like, you know, step back and give us some new ideas kind of thing. That's very cool. And then from the experience itself, other than Chad, do you have other consistent faces and voices that people hear from all the time? So you have a, a consistent host that's there X number of times a month and that kind of thing. Like what is the, what is the personnel for the actual programming look like? Yeah. For sure. Um, that would be the same, like Chad is kind of the main person you would see in the welcome and close, but you've got maybe one or two others that when Chad's off on a weekend or just to get some other faces, keep it fresh. Um, people that fill in for that. And then same thing for the pre, I guess the post experience kind of follows with the close, but for the pre experience, when it's a little more lighthearted and everything we've got, I mean, you've got Colleen who's probably three out of four weeks in a month on um, hosting and maybe two other anchors that kind of switch in. But then we're trying to work in some other people too. So 
so that when like Colleen and Ryan, who might be our two main hosts, if they're both out a weekend, it's not totally like jarring that you see two completely new people. They're not completely new, you know. But we do try to do two consistently for the pre-experience and then maybe like one other person if they're going to throw to another segment. And Zach, what's your week look like? Are you just taking what's been programmed and asked and just facilitating executing that? Yeah. um, It really just comes down to working with Nicole and that team and figuring out what we need to do. Um, A lot of weeks, my week, my weeks are different every week, depending on what's going on. Um, it could be a week of figuring out something new. It could be a week of redoing a system to make something better based off, um, workflow. Um, everything we do is, is volunteer ran, um, video control consists of four, three staff members, Nicole, which is overseeing online, Jared, which is overseeing the auditorium and Chelsea, which is our video director. And so everything in those spaces has to be volunteer friendly. Um, has to be able for whoever to sit down and run it. Um, and so there's a lot of days where I'm just reviewing and seeing how things worked, um, seeing how well they might not have worked and talking with Nicole. Sometimes I'll talk to the operator and see, you know, if there was a hiccup or something that confused them or made it, um, easier. Um, and then, you know, a lot of weeks when we do these big segments, big elements, you know, Nicole really like probably doesn't get as much credit as she deserves for what she knows in that room, but she can sit down behind a raw security and, and do anything you want to on it. And so there's some weeks where I'm just like, Hey, can I do this? I need, I need to like, uh, get something to get my mind off of bearing, being buried in Iraq. Let me build this out for you. Um, so it, it could just vary. There's a lot of weeks where I'm in a ton of meetings about, can we do this? Um, this is what we want this to look like. Um, and then there's some weeks where, um, I'm not in any, I'm just at Valentine, you know, gear does need to be maintained. You know, you have to break out the vacuum even when you don't want to and keep things clean and, um, you know, updates to gear, um, that type of thing. Okay. So kind of circling back to something you kind of glazed over a little, but it's really important. So if in the room they're playing a video on a local volunteer at that campus and you guys as an online team decide, let's not do that. Let's play this other video. And the video they're playing in the room is two minutes. And you know that, do you have to come up with a two minute video or do Skype and you're using IFBs to get the in and out timed right? Like you'd see on a live news show. Yeah. So we are using IFBs, um, the Skype caller, like I have the ability to talk to them. Um, if they're not on air, I wouldn't talk to them if they're on air, but, um, we use live time to keep all of our hosts in sync. Um, we used to use that to keep all of our campuses in sync and everybody would need to hit their clock. Um, now it's not as strict with that, but it is still strict with whoever's on stage for Valentine and um, our online host. So they both know I have three minutes in this welcome. I have to hit my clock. Even if there's a video after the welcome, for example, if they're, if Valentine's Glow is a three-minute welcome and then a two-minute video, we know that we have five minutes to fill. So as long as we know they're going to hit their clock, the video is exactly two minutes long, we know that we have five minutes to fill. So Chad might determine that he wants to do two minutes of talking. I'm going to show you this quick one-minute video. Then I'm going to come back and do a two-minute Skype call. 
We just know that at the end of that five minutes, the video and the hosting on stage will be done and they will be starting worship and we need to be done at that same time. And it's just an understanding between online and the on stage and in room people. I mean, there have been times where <laughs> the video control team has cut the on stage host off because we need to stay in sync. <laughs> okay, so that's interesting. So, how long did it take <laughs> from when you started doing this three years ago to get the in room people to start working with the online programming team? Because what you just said was everybody's cognizant of times and knows what they need to do. I'm imagining when this first started, it was well, this thing's rolling in the room and you guys are going to have to just make this work. Yes. Um, Zach can speak to this whole, that whole situation a little bit more probably. It, it did start with all of the campuses in sync. So that was probably a little leg up that we had in that situation. Um, Cause the onstage Valentine host still had to hit that three minute clock because gotcha. all of the other campuses were going to be throwing the Valentine and they didn't want to throw to Valentine with, you know, their host still on stage or whatever. So that was kind of a good problem that that was there before that now doesn't exist, but already has the mindset there created because of that. That makes sense because when we get back to normal and we're doing services in the room, this is exactly what's going to happen to me. Our normal sure. announcements, you know, they say, you know, five minutes and they will be six and a half or <laughs> right. seven. So th this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes our onstage host does go over and if it's um, hosting straight into worship, the worship team is not going to cut them off. So that's where the IFB thing really comes in handy. Um, I have both programs on my comm panel so I can, when we're getting close to you know, the last 30 seconds, it's just a habit for me now to turn both of them on and listen to what's going on in the room so that if Chad's hosting, I can just get in his ear and say, he's going over. And then Chad just knows you keep can going. speak. Yes. Somehow always has content <laughs> to keep going on. Even if it's like, I'm going to pray until Nicole tells me to throw. And I yeah. don't say throw until you know, the onstage host is walking off the stage because there have been times when I'm like, oh, he's wrapping up. And I'll tell Chad that and be like, bro, he's done. And he's not done. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse in that moment of, and Lord, we also, in yeah. Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing, though, that can't be overstated is the fact that you guys were driven by leadership's goals. And so online for you guys, or whether it was live on every campus in sync, that was, you know, none of the campuses and now online didn't feel like sort of the redheaded stepchild in right. this conversation. It was always a priority coming straight from leadership. So I, I'm sure that helps. Um, you know, so I think just for people who are trying to figure this out, I think the, the overall vision piece and the like you said, Chad, the 10,000 foot why is such a huge piece to clarify. That'll make a lot, that'll make a big difference for a lot of people. For sure. Okay. So let's circle back around to the metrics and data conversation. So when we started doing this for our church three weeks ago, we were really concerned with obviously the amount of people that were going to tune in. But more than that, I was really concerned about average watch times. 
Like, are people even going to stick around and watch the service? So we made all these decisions based on that initially on week one. So how many worship songs? So we did, we did like a one minute intro, two worship songs. And then I told all the campus pastors, Hey, your talk needs to be 20 minutes. Cause I knew if I told them 20, they would do 30. And so that's what happened. So we ended up doing like a 40 minute service and we were just going watch times, watch times, watch times. Well, then the next week, I go over and watch y'all service all two hours and 14 minutes of it. And then last week was two hours, nine minutes. And I'm going, okay, maybe none of this matters anymore because I tend <laughs> and, and then Lee week, called me and he's like, I think I'm getting this all wrong. Cause <laughs> they're like going nuts on, you know, elevations, YouTube channel. And they're chatting and asking questions and he's taking questions on his phone and I can't believe. So he's like, I got to change everything. Yeah. So <laughs> we told a lot of churches and and most churches are small, right? So it's a lot of smaller churches in rural America that don't have the technology. And I still think this is true. We told them, hey, less is going to be more for you. You're going to be way better off making phone calls to the 500 people in your church, every single one of them, and just ask them how they're doing. And then do a short service. Do prayer meetings during the week. Don't try and do an hour and 10 minute service on Facebook for your church if you've never done that. Now, we're a bigger church and we have some technology and some capabilities. And then after watching what you guys did, now I'm totally changing it for us to go, okay, we're going to do a 10-minute pre-show with a countdown and then we're going to start another countdown and then we're going to do two songs. We're going to throw it to another host. We're going to do another song and we're going to have pastor. I mean, we are running your play this weekend exactly how you guys did it, but we're going to do it in about an hour not two hours. So all that to say, tell me about metrics. Are you? Do you care about average watch time? Do you care about peak viewers? Because the other thing I noticed with yours was when it started, the second service on Sunday, I'm looking at the number at the beginning, it peaked two hours into the service is when it got to its largest number. And then then my mind really exploded, right? Because you think it wouldn't be that, but it just kept going up and up and up and up and up. So is that on purpose? Was that an accident? I'll just I'll just let you roll. Okay, so um, let me caveat this, and and I really mean this with with all of my heart. I don't think that there are many um, Pastor Stephen Furtick's who can preach the way that he does and hold the attention through a screen like he does. So I don't think it's wise to try to replicate that, right? Um, I don't think most churches have an elevation worship level or, or even, um, for lack of a better term, following to say, like, do people even care this much? Right, so there's, totally part of, there, there's part of what we do that we, we aren't trying to kid ourselves, right? A lot of people are tuning in because they follow or are fans, right? And it's like, I love this guy or I love this man. Nobody's tuning in to watch Chad Zolo do his welcome. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm providing information that hopefully will help you understand and another level of what's available to you. I'm going to watch, watch this Sunday, Sunday just, just right. to watch <laughs> your welcome. Anyway, um, that's, the, that's the caveat at first, right? Like, like that we get it, right? We're trying to give people a better understanding. The whole, if you want to, understand our mindset with watch times we care um only because it's a consistent metric like i'm not really after i want people to watch for 
X amount of time, right? Because I know what's realistic based on platforms, right? Like Facebook to me is, um, without sounding callous, it's it's a, a ton of people tune in there, but it's more of an advertising platform than it is like a destination, right? So I'm not choosing who my feed goes to Facebook is. So again, a lot of those views are in and out really quick. Now we do, I mean, if you tune in on any of the channels, you'll see there's a lot of people who stick around and watch, but I just understand that for us to have an average watch time of over a minute is pretty darn good with the amount of people that are tuning in. Now that's different though, when you're talking about YouTube, because YouTube's a destination, right? Like nobody's just, I mean, few people are just like sitting on YouTube, like scrolling through and find Elevation Church, right? You're going there because you know, we're broadcasting there, we're live there. It's a great experience. So that means a little bit more to us. So I do want to see a higher watch time there. But I also know, to your point, that we peak out typically halfway through pastor's message. And the reason is, is because Pastor has a ton of people who follow his content and know or have learned when he gets up to preach. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, oh man, I'm tuning in at, I know they start at 930. I'm, I'm showing up at 1005 because I don't really care about anything else. That's cool, but we're still going to try to get you to care about other stuff. So again, that's why we do the clothes and the post and things like that to try to just bring in different ways for you to see the engagement. But in terms of those types of metrics, I would just say blanket. We care about every metric because it gives us a baseline to measure off of it. You know what I'm saying? And that's typically when we're talking to churches, it's like, I don't really care what metric you measure. You just got to be consistent with it so that you have a base to know, am I growing or am I not? Um, and, and that's really the, what I would say, because whether you're, you're using unique views like 10 second or peak live, we use peak live just for our own reasoning and stuff, which I can certainly go into, but that's great. So since you teed it up, talk to us about peak live and why you care about it. Yeah. So, um, we tend at elevation just in general, which is one of the things I love about our church and our leadership to be very conservative and realistic in our numbers. That's just across the board. That's not just an online thing in general. We will not blow smoke with numbers. And so that's very, very, very easy to do online, right? You get on Facebook, you see a reach that is astronomical and you're like, holy crap, we're reaching all these people. And you got to understand that Half those people haven't even turned on their computer this morning. You know what I mean? Like, so, so then you go down the line and you're like, well, this many unique people. Well, you got to understand unique is like, you just tuned in. I mean, it's somebody driving by and seeing your sign on the, on your building. You know what I mean? Like you don't count those people on the weekend. Then you go to um, 10 second views, which is cool. But it's like, would I actually count that if a dude walked into my building and turned around and left? I probably wouldn't count that person. So for us, we go to the lowest denominator, right? Which is peak live, which to anybody who might not know, that just means at at a certain point, you have the highest number of people watching at one time, which what I was saying is in the middle of pastor's sermon. So using round numbers, let's just say a thousand people would be our peak in the middle of pastor's message. That shows up on Facebook or YouTube as peak live viewer. During that service, a thousand people at its peak were watching together. Now, again, that's the lowest number 
that any of those platforms gives you ever. Like they won't give you lower numbers. For a lot of churches, that's a hard number to come to grasp with because there's such a huge difference between right. even 10 second views and peak live. So some of you are like, I'm not using that number. That's depressing as crap. Well, that's okay. But for us, it's more like, that's the lowest number. We'll stick with that. That way we know we're not blowing smoke at, at the, you know what I mean? Like at base level, we feel like this many people watched our entire experience. So again, that's, yeah, that's really the reason behind it. There's a lot of Baptists listening right now who are pretty scared because they're going to have to change all their metrics. <laughs> <laughs> but but don't don't change it. That's what I'm saying to where it's like, do what you want, just stay consistent with it is all. And that's more of it's like, if you feel like it's better for you to say, hey, 10 seconds is what we feel better basing everything off of. That's awesome. Just don't change that next week when you see that, you know, total views was more and you're like, okay, I got to use that one this week instead of 10 seconds, you know what I mean? Just, just stay consistent. Yeah. Cause Facebook will tell you, oh, your reach on this was 2.4 million people. Exactly. It's just crazy. Right. So transformation is also using peak live. So it, to me, that is a really good way to do that. But like you said, for a small church, it may say 60, you know, so it, it can be very, very humbling. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me give you Man, I'm being really selfish, but let me give you a scenario that we're in. So we're seven different campuses with seven different teaching pastors. So all the churches are pretty autonomous, but we're we're a multi-site church, but they're all independent. So, you know, the question then becomes, well, who preaches on the the global platform or the online campus? And should each campus then have a online service for each one. So I think what we're going to do, and I want y'all's feedback on this is we're going to have a online platform that best tells the story of our church. And it'll be multiple pastors preaching. It'll be worship team from the broadcast location. And that's a way to reach people that would never come to a campus or just on the other side of the country or whatever. And then each campus their online experience is just to open the front door. So to get people to actually come to the church, because we all know no one anymore Googles a church name and just shows up without watching it online. So I think that's where we're headed. So that each independent campus and those teaching pastors have their experience online as a way to grow their church. And then our online campus is a way to tell our story of what's happening with the movement of our churches. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, sounds sounds right. I mean, in a situation like that, I mean, I know not every church has like the one guy that preaches, but right. um, I know that North Point does something a little similar. Each of their campuses kind of have their own broadcast, right? And they kind of decide whether or not they're doing online or not to reach their specific area. Um, yeah, I don't know. It makes sense to me. But we'll probably change it all next week again. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So can you talk for a few minutes about um, community? Because I know that people are really concerned about, okay, we can get our pastor online. We figured out the the sort of logistics of how to put our stuff online. But in terms of community and engagement and like you guys call them e-groups, what does that look like? Like what is the, both from a technical and from an engagement standpoint, um, what are those groups experiences look like um e-groups for us i mean that's a piece of it we utilize zoom um free platform 
um, up to 45 minutes. You can certainly pay for more. Um, we've been doing that for years online, honestly, with our e-groups and um, they work. I mean, I, I, there's really no other way for me to say it than that because uh, what I would say is even in this season, our groups have blown up right now because people are like, oh man, this is actually awesome. Like, I don't have to get my house ready. I don't have to like, you know, get my kids, you know, all, you know, settled. It's like, boom, I just like hop on and it can be nine o'clock at night where we have our e-group and I don't have to get, get home and get dinner and then rush out the door again. Um, it's a great opportunity for community and it just works. I mean, again, people who say, oh, I just don't believe in it. I don't, it, it's cool. It's just, I would just say you probably just haven't done it because there's thousands of stories that we have of people who are in such deep community with others that they've never met in person. They see them on zoom, but haven't met them. Yeah. Um, but but feel like they're family. And so that's a piece of the community aspect for it. But we really lean heavily on Facebook groups. Um, it's just a way we know that not everybody's on Facebook. Um, but it's just a it's a great tool for us to stay connected. I mean, we started it with our eFAM Facebook group. And now all of the campuses have their own groups to stay connected to the people that typically attend their local campus. That's what we did when all of this happened so that people could stay connected. But um, man, we're going live on there every day. I, I was just doing a live segment on there right before I hopped on here with my wife, just connecting with eFam, just those daily touch points of community and engagement. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it is something that's way different. I mean, I don't, I would be one to say that I don't think anything replaces sitting in the room with you guys. You know what I mean? I really don't, but like, it's just not possible anymore. You know what I mean? Like the world is too small now. You know what I mean? From the aspect of technology to suggest to somebody in Singapore that they can't be a part of elevation because they can't sit in the room with me. Like that's foolish to me um, because of the resources that we have available. I just think, gosh, why wouldn't we be using this stuff to help people be a part of it? So um, again, yeah, for sure. I'd love to, build a building that could hold 60,000 people. But the reality is there's also expense that comes with that, that doesn't come with opening up your doors online. And that's another huge part of what we do and, and focus on online. So. Yeah. Last, last time I checked stadiums cost about a billion dollars. So it's probably not a great use of stewardship dollars. <laughs> awesome. Well, Chad, we know uh, you got to run, so we'll, we'll let you go here. Any parting words for all the churches all over the world right now that are trying to get their services online? Hey, you know, I can't think of a better season, you know, to do this. I, I know we would not pick this season right now. Uh, we wouldn't set this up this way, but I think it's also a phenomenal opportunity to utilize what's at our fingertips that other companies are literally spending billions and billions of dollars to create ways for people to stay connected with one another. And they are free to you today. They might require a little bit of work on the back end, and that's what Zach and Nicole certainly speak to, but these are free opportunities for you to expand the reach of your church. And if there's ever been a time when people are like, man, God, I just, I want to reach more people. Would you help me? Like, would you send me more people? I feel like God's like, are you crazy? I've given it to you in so many different platforms right now. All you got to do is just use them. 
easier said than done, but I think it's a phenomenal opportunity and season right now. And any way that we can play a part in helping more people do that, we're all about it. Man, that's so good. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Chad. We'll let you bounce and uh, you guys have a great weekend. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. All right. So we still got Zach and Nicole here. So I've got some more technical questions on this IFB setup. Yeah. So let's say Chad is, he's doing an online hosting moment and you've got to communicate to him. Zach, talk to me technically about how that actually works. And then Nicole, give us a scenario like how that conversation would go and what you're saying to him. Um, so everything for us is just, it's all through the comm frame, um, through the comm matrix and everything for all the IFBs actually, I don't know if I'm necessarily doing it the right way. This is my way of how we do it, but we've got the SD 11, which is essentially building mixed minuses, um, to go out to feed all the IFBs. And we're currently, we have 14 set up. Um, and so let's just say Chad is on IFB one. Um, they've built the mix and I am actually doing a send and return out of the Digico, um, to the comm frame and then lets the interrupt happen there with Nicole's voice and then back into the SD 11 and out to wherever we're going. Um, you could totally do it just straight off the comm frame and have a lot of throwdown IFBs. Um, but I did it this way so that we could literally patch an IFB off of anything on the Digico ring in the building. So line output to a powered, you know, the $50 Behringer personal monitor headphone amps right now, um, that allows us to just throw one down anywhere in the building. Um, and for a lot of our segments, um, Chad wanted to be able to go just mobile wherever in the building at any time. Um, now we've been stuck inside for so long with winter, but now that summer's coming, um, you might see Chad literally as far as we can stretch the fiber off the front of the building. Um, and so all that IFB is done through the camera and I'm actually using, um, the intercom return through the camera to get the IFB out there to Chad. And then we're embedding the mic, um, through the camera to get it back inside. Um, and all of that is, or at least all the IFB side, um, for the most part, is done via Maddie between Digico and uh, Clearcom. Okay, that's serious. So <laughs> you go. <laughs> There's a lot of people right now listening who are either like their mouths are watering right now or their mind is blown because they're so confused. <laughs> right. So bear with me, mouth waterers, but I'm going to say it back just so I want to make sure I understand it. So send and return from your Digico, your broadcast console, right? You've got one broadcast desk. No. We actually have two broadcast desks. <laughs> That's what I so, thought. Um, the There's an SD5 and there's an SD11. Um, the SD5 is mixing all of the inputs on the stage, um, all of the on-stage hosting segments. Um, if, was, if we needed to push the stage host, they would hit that desk. Pastor's mics hit that desk. Um, and then that is then uh, sent back um, to the SD11. And so the 11 it, is just a submixer for all the IFBs. Correct. But it's taking that, but then all of the online hosting mics are mixed on the 11. All the Skype inputs are on the 11. All the online videos, expression, audio, um, anything purely related to nothing but online 
is done on the 11 and then that is generating the mixes for um all of the ifbs and then that output is um what we're actually embedding and sending out so then on the sd racks how are you getting that embedded into fiber to hit all of your panels around the building nope see there we go I don't, okay i'll follow you there Lee. okay so how do you get out of the sd rack into fiber on the outside of the building oh gotcha sorry so that's actually um done through the camera um so i am so i, I said that we're coming out of the sd racks and that is for all of the IFBs except for the two that are on in our primary on, online camera. Okay. Those two are at, are actually coming off of the com frame four wire into um into the camera CCU and then then that's out um to the cameras out or wherever we patch the camera through simply fiber in the building. Okay, got it. And how many of those uh fiber patch points do you have on the campus? 34 different locations on the campus yeah oh my gosh <laughs> so when you guys built this building this is exactly what you were thinking about the whole time yeah we wanted to be able to be flexible and drop a camera literally wherever that's not are... true we have, well, we added have added like five or six since we launched we added five we added the four in one room where you see the, okay. the, the post experience happen now yeah. um so four got added in there last year we decided we wanted to do this post experience and uh, I ruffled a lot of feathers for a couple of months because I literally had multi-pin and fiber cables and everything you can think of tied to the drop tile ceiling going down one of the main hallways in Valentine. Um, and then we magically, um, I was able to get a panel approved after a little while. <laughs> That's how you do that. Exactly. It's hard to tell why you need a couple thousand dollars to put a panel in until you see cables hanging from the ceiling. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that that can be really complex to pull off. Are you doing an online campus rehearsal? We definitely are. Um, so we do all of our outside of the main worship experience that I was talking about earlier when we decide we're going to do this segment outside of that, cut away from the room. We do all of that rehearsal on Wednesday. So normally, previously, we had all of that planned out several weeks in advance. So we get the videos, the graphics, all of that. So that we can make sure everything works. Um, if we need, you know, complicated transitions on the switcher or whatever. Also to make sure that the hosting segments transition well. So if they feel weird, like, well, I'm talking about Easter and now all of a sudden I'm switching gears and talking about this and then coming back to Easter that doesn't make any sense now that we've run it all together let's flip these segments or this segment was too long I felt like I was talking too much let's get some b-roll to put in there that kind of thing we do it on Wednesday so that we have more time before we get to Sunday to make any of those changes that we need to but then we're making um we're doing rehearsal on Sunday morning also just along with the worship experience um, in the auditorium. So we keep that as close to a real experience as possible. So run through starts at eight. So we start our pre-experience at 7.50, just like we start at 10 minutes before the actual broadcast. Run through is not allowed to start later than that. If it is going to start later, we have to know before we start our pre-experience. That's just another one of those, like everyone knows that 
run through really starts 10 minutes before because we're live then. So, cause you need to rehearse what it's going to feel like to roll straight into it. Exactly. So if they're not ready, you've got to know. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then all of your, all of your patching and those patch points for those cameras and all that, that's determined on Wednesday as part of that, the tech part of that midweek run through. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, exactly. So a big thing with that, for us, when we're deciding where we're going to do location or broadcast for specific segments is we want to, it kind of goes back to that whole culture thing. We want to show like there's energy because when you show up on a campus, you know, there's people around you, you're sitting in the auditorium, there's a lot of buzz going on before the experience starts. So if we throw a camera down at the back of the building, while it might be a cool shot, there's no one in the shot because at that point they're all inside. So we try to be strategic and work even with our um, security teams and greeter teams, like all of the on-campus volunteers to let them know like, hey, we're going to do this shot for the pre-show here at this time. We want to make sure that you guys are filing the people behind the shot versus, I don't know, something else they might be trying that week that kind of thing. So that plays a lot into where all of those segments are. Okay. So talk to us about the online team. So Nicole, you and Chad for sure, but Zach, you have a bunch of different roles. So you're responsible for engineering that entire building for the live experience or the online experience. But what about if you need graphics or you need a video just made for online, do you have a separate online communications team or are you using the central team? We do. I couldn't even tell you how many people are in it right now. Um, so we have a campus team and a creative team. So the campus team that, you know, those e-groups that Chad was talking about, there's a couple people that oversee all of that. There's a few people that oversee volunteers. Um, and those are just we, for online? Yes. Yeah. So the way that our staff is structured is like top down campus and creative. And then each campus team, depending on the size of the campus, has e-groups, maybe like a volunteer slash guest experience person, um, campus pastor, worship leader, producer. Um, and then the creative team is kind of broken out more on like what teams they support than anything else. Um, so maybe we've got like all of our campus creatives and they have three designers, but one designer kind of runs with a couple campuses. This other one has some other campuses kind of broken down like that, but they don't report okay. to that campus. It's still very separated in that sense. It's more like a dotted line. So they direct line yeah. to the creative still, but they're like, I help out Uptown and Matthews. It's like that kind of setup. Yes. And yeah. then also for online. So you'd have a small team of people that when now I take care of online. Yeah. So online's a little different. Um, just like I said, top down, we're split campus creative. Online is kind of another branch off of that. And we have our own campus and creative. So we have oh, okay. three videographers, one graphic designer, project manager just for online. But wow. they're not just taking care of what's what you see on the weekend. They're also creating graphics for watch party meetups when, you know, pre all of this, when they were doing that, um, or if they'd send out invites or email graphics, that kind of thing. So, or even like mailers that we're sending out. So there's a lot more, um, TV also kind of rolls up to the online team 
also. So one of the videographers takes care of our TV episodes. So there's a lot more that goes into it than just a campus. So that's why we kind of built in a structure of having our own designated people. It certainly didn't start like that. Yeah, sure. Sure. And then how about other post-production? Well, it wouldn't be post-production, I guess, if it's live, but do you have dedicated online audio broadcast engineer? Um, yes, we do. Or two one. of them, right? One for the SD5 and one for the SD11? Are they both staff, volunteer? Um, the goal is to have the SD5 main mix person be staff. Um, it's currently contract. And the SD11 is kind of one of those situations where ideally it's a volunteer, but it's also one of those like elevated roles. So yeah. we're kind of still figuring that part of it out. Yeah. That one can't mess up. That's like right. mission critical. Exactly. That's tough, but it could be so simple. Right. But yes, man, the sure. weight of setting until something goes wrong. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely a hot seat. Absolutely. Man. It's fascinating. It is. Okay. We've gone about an hour. So I could go another two, but I'm not going to do that to you guys. I know you're busy. This is not an Elevation Weekend service, Lee. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, that first weekend, we're like, he's still preaching. Um, He's still preaching. And then, you know, we start deciding what we're going to do to get the 1130 rolling. So it's definitely been a fly by the seat of your pants uh, type of thing for the past few weeks. And we'll, we'll see what this weekend, you know. See what it holds when we get there. Is he going longer now knowing that you don't have to turn the parking lot around? That is the biggest thing, not having to turn the parking lot. Yes. I mean. Got it. Yeah. It's funny. So how I long mean, is the normal online experience? Um, I think we try not to program over 87 minutes. Um, sorry, but that doesn't include like pre-show or post experience, anything like that. Um, right. So like an hour and 40, hour 45. Yeah. Yeah, we usually would say, like when we're editing for a playback, I'll, I have a note on there. Text Nicole if it's over 145. <laughs> Got it. So. <laughs> so after you do the first one, if that one's good, you have a team of editors on standby to tighten it up to replay? Yeah, so we always do the 9.30, 11.30 live. Um, for us, those are the two at Valentine that are live, not including Saturday night. Um, we don't broadcast on Saturday. And then after that, um, they'll make a decision on which sermon needs to be um, selected for the archive. But we also use that sermon for playback. But if it's, for example, if it's a Saturday night sermon that was chosen, we don't do anything on Saturday. So we would piece in, I mean, we run lyrics so that worship can also be from Saturday night. But all of our breakaway segments, we, I would just, it's, really just a matter of like, Hey Chad, which welcome did you feel best about? Uh, the 1130. Okay. Hey, video editor, can you put the 1130 into the Saturday night, um, welcome slot? So they're more piecing those things together. Um, if there's like a terrible transition, they'll try to fix it as best as they can. But we try not to do a lot of that just because, I mean, honestly, it, it helps it feel live. Not that we're trying to fake it, but it's like, you know, right. you're watching a weekend yeah. experience. You would expect some things to a little more natural. Yeah, exactly. Okay, last question: What's y'all's day off? Mm. <laughs> right, right now that doesn't really <laughs> yeah, exist. I know it doesn't for anybody. <laughs> Normally, Friday is that global? Everyone? Yes. yes. 
That's nice. Getting into this, I'm quickly seeing how if you don't do this right, you could have the team capturing the content working and then a team of post-production working after that and it all just get out of control. So feeling the need for that global day off. Yeah, for sure. A lot of it too is kind of supervisor driven. Like if there's, if Sunday goes really poorly for whatever reason and we did a 9.30, 11.30 live and then there was issues with playback and we were up until 11.30 at night trying to fix it all, then we'll get a text that's like, hey, come in whenever you want tomorrow kind of thing. So there's flexibility yeah. with that too, just based on workload, you know. Awesome. Well, That's thank you cool. guys so much. Yeah, I can't sure. thank you guys enough for being here. I know that your wisdom and your experience and your technical savvy and all that is going to speak to a ton of people who are listening to this. So we're just grateful that you would take time out of your busy, especially Easter time planning to uh, to share with us some of your wisdom. So can't thank you guys enough. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. All Happy right. All right. We'll see you guys next time and have a great weekend. Right. See y'all. Well, that was awesome. Yeah, my brain is mush. Like I said, there are some guys out there who are like mouths watering, can't wait to go and start plugging stuff in. And some of them, like me, are going, I need to listen to this again to figure out exactly what they're doing. <laughs> I know. I got so enthralled with what they're currently doing. I forgot to ask them what they're planning on doing next. Like, what's the next wave? Well, we'll have to get them back so that we can find that out because I know they've got stuff planned. Can I make a prediction? Okay. Netflix. That is an interesting idea. I'm not saying they're going on Netflix. I'm saying I think the churches that are leading this right now are going to create on-demand platforms and have content that isn't just live experience Sunday morning. Right. It'll be 24-7 enough content about how to just be the best version of you and funny stuff and comedians and news and sports. And I think the church should take this opportunity to take back what's rightfully theirs and leading arts and culture again. That's that's a good word right there. That is awesome. And I think, you know, simple things like interactive group curriculum and how to present content to your life groups, small groups, community groups, whatever you call them, in an interactive and engaging way so that, like Elevation's doing, you can have people from all over the world engaged in a community group together, but it's facilitated by somebody that's a familiar face and a familiar voice that's connected to the brand, for lack of a better word, of your church. I think the opportunities are endless. You know what? This got me thinking. Somebody should create a brand resource platform for production education. Huh. And like everything you ever wanted to know about audio and video and lighting from scratch and resources to connect people and websites for all of your tools and online dreams and desires, like everything just all in one. Like what, what if there was like a Netflix for the AVL industry and church production guys? Interesting. I wonder what we would call it. I don't know. <laughs> well, for those of you who haven't heard of MXU Now... You need to go and explore that because we feel like we're providing some pretty interesting stuff in that regard. And spoiler alert, but not to spoil anything, later in this summer, we have some incredible things planned that I don't want you to miss out on. So get your teams engaged with MXU now 
because our ideas for how to make that pl platform even better are in the hopper as we speak, and I'm super excited about what's coming. Like our friend Aretha Franklin says, we've only just begun. She did not say that. I'm going to start mixing up quotes to close out our podcast. <laughs> we could have a whole Instagram feed of just misquoting stuff with Lee. By the way, I haven't laughed as hard lately as I did yesterday with Lee Fields as the Tiger King. Oh, on our Instagram. The funny thing is, Armando Fullwood texts me and you the picture. and You didn't so, even know it was up. No, I thought someone at the team at wave like photoshopped it and so i was dying laughing and then i opened instagram a couple hours later no 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 i text him and said hey who made this and he wrote back i got it off of your instagram <laughs> <laughs> our guys who should be working on the next iteration of the mxu now platform have run out of things to do apparently because now they're making funny uh, memes about Lee using Tiger King graphics. So, guys, get back to work. We've got we got to bring the people what they want. And pictures of Lee's face on other people's bodies is not really it. My children thought it was funny, though. Oh, I did too. I, I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. All right, man. I'm gonna go smoke some meat. You know what? I'm gonna do that tomorrow, and I'm excited. What are you smoking? Brisket time. You're doing brisket tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, I did. I reverse seared a tri-tip yesterday. Ooh. It went pretty how long, well. How long did you smoke it before you seared it? Well, the problem is I put it at 180, and it got to 120 in, in like 90 minutes. Oh, wow. It went super fast. So in that sense, it didn't go so well because I put a bunch of spicy rub on it, and it didn't have enough time to cook off the heat. Yeah. So my daughter didn't like that too much. Yeah. But tomorrow, I'm going to do Boston Butt. Well... The great thing about barbecue is you can experiment, try different things, and most of it's awesome, even if it doesn't turn out the way you thought it would. That's so, totally true. So I'm about to go yeah. slap it on some light bread with some mayo and mustard and Tabasco right now. little mayo will cool it down. It won't be too spicy anymore. It's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you go slap it on some bread, and I will talk to you some other time. <laughs> All right. See you. <laughs>